Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a busy day as we count down to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56 in L.A. Next week, our coverage will be out there. Our station will be out there all next week. Congratulations to Q, who comes on after me and is also our program director for getting this deal done. So we could be out there and bring you that in-depth team Raider coverage that you expect and all the excitement of the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. So excited to head out there next week. Uh, Tuesday to Sunday, and do a bunch of radio, both my shows, and especially this one on Raider Nation Radio, where this week has been about a lot of change. And change is good, or change is concerning, or change is uncomfortable. And this is where Raider Nation has to check in and tell us what you think. I'm a big believer of doing this a long time, that new coaches are going to bring in their own guys. Period. That's what they do. And it's happening not just in Las Vegas. It's happening in New York with the Giants. It's happening as we speak today in Minneapolis with the Vikings. It's happening in New Orleans and a lot of good coaches. They're not going to be out of work, but they're going to have to move from certain teams to others. And that's what happens now. And as I took you a little bit behind the scenes, it's very difficult for these coaches and families and their kids. It's very difficult. They're not all multimillionaires. They do well. But they have to sell homes and rent homes and they have to leave kids in school and they got to move. And it's tough. It's really hard. But that's what you sign up for. You sign up for that. And a lot of people around here believe that the John Gruden run would have lasted 10 years. He had a 10-year deal. And he wasn't going to go anywhere until the emails were released through the Washington football team investigation. And that's affected a number of people that are moving on now because there's a new head coach coming in and GM who are going to bring in mostly their people to run the team from a football side when it comes to coaches and everybody, people behind the scenes, are going to bring in their guys. So I think everybody here on the radio gets that. Ian Rappaport reported today the Raiders are interviewing former Bears defensive coordinator Sean Desai today for the D.C. job. You know, he had he had a shot. He was, comes under that Vic Fangio tree. I made a bunch of phone calls about him. Really smart, really young really sharp, and he had a team that pretty good, a top-10 defense last year in Chicago. That was his first year as the D.C., and now everybody's trying to dissect what's the similarities between the Chicago defense and the Raider defense or what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler want to run. Do they run, want to run the 3-4 or the 4-3? Vic Tafer made a really good point. Really, in this new defensive scheme, you got to have nickelbacks you got to have guys who can play. you got to have more corners and ball hawks. The most fascinating thing, I'll give credit to Chris in West Oakland, who always calls. Great caller because he's a diehard Raider fan, hasn't missed a game, one game his entire life since the 70s. He makes a good point that the Raider defensive backs don't make plays. They don't. I don't remember the last time that unit ever did. They just don't intercept the football. They don't catch the football. They don't jump routes. It's shocking to me. I don't understand why. And I'm a fan of Gus Bradley. I like that conservative style of defense that he had last year. I was the first guy to say, get on the bus with Gus. And every time I interviewed him, he was fabulous, taking us behind the scenes there.
but with two high safeties or the backdrop of the Legion of Boom defense and what he brought to the Raiders really helped out. I thought it was good. The problem was the red zone defense was god-awful. It was terrible. And I think I know why from being at every game at home and covering all the games. The Raider defense, when they got in the red zone, had to play more man-to-man. There's less field to cover. They can't have a guy 30 yards deep being a last line of defense. And by the way, Trayvon Merrick was really good at that. Trayvon Merrick was really good at knowing where he needed to be. He was lined up properly. He was able to make plays. He tackled well. Not a lot of interceptions. And for whatever you want to say about Jonathan Abram, Gus got him to play a little bit better. I'm not saying, you know, Jonathan Abram was drafted to be a pro bowler. A pro bowler. He wasn't drafted to be a guy. And the guy doesn't play really good when it comes to pass defense. And he's pretty good against the run. He got better against the run. But once the Raiders got into that defense in the red zone, it was a nightmare. They couldn't stop anybody. Their red zone defense was terrible. That's one of the things that have to be cleaned up. If Gus was here, I'm sure he'd work on cleaning it up. If the new defensive coordinator gets this job, I think that's going to be a priority. Also, the Bears, for the last four or five years, usually have four or five pro bowlers. They have good players on defense. They're a defensive-oriented team. So the new coach, if this is the one and he comes over, you know, can he get more out of the players who aren't pro bowlers and find more pro bowlers? I thought the Raiders swung and missed violently on that with Nick Kwiatkowski. And especially when we, when we look at the linebacker play, Perryman played outstanding against the run. Outstanding. He's in the Pro Bowl. He's across the street from my house at the Las Vegas ballpark at practice today. He's done a nice job at that. But Littleton, I think, was a disaster. And I don't know what the new coach thinks of Littleton. Maybe he thinks there's some value there. But the Raiders swung and missed on Littleton because he didn't do anything. He literally didn't do much. He was not a player who lived up to the standards of his billing. And there were some people who thought he was coming in to be the next pro bowler. I was not one of them. I wanted him to do well. He just didn't play well. He got pushed around a lot. He got blown up in the run game. Never made plays behind the line of scrimmage at the rate he did with the Rams. And that had a lot to do with the fact that he was with the Rams. And they had Jalen Ramsey on the other side as a shutdown corner. And Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in all of football. So today we're going to talk about the defense for a bit. We don't know what's happening. There's an interview going on today with the former Bears defensive coordinator. And you know how quiet Mark Davis and everybody was about the head coach. So there's not going to be a lot coming out until the defensive coordinator is hired. But I wanted to talk to you about what your goals are for this defense going forward. And I think this is a great topic today. It's a great topic because every Raider fan knows the offense is supposed to be the strength of the team. And it wasn't down the stretch. It wasn't. 17 points after 17 points on games that the Raiders had to win and they were able to win because the defense got off the field and got the ball back and the defense did not break. Say what you will about, and I did, the red zone defense, which wasn't very good. Talk about and dissect the weakness of the Raider categories on defense. When you think about what Gus Bradley, Ron Malias, Rod Marinelli, whoever's going to be here, whatever happened on the defense last year, the defense gave Raider Nation the opportunity to get the ball back. To get the ball back with a defensive pass rush that got to the quarterback or got close. 
the Raiders were able to get the ball back to the offense and win those games down the stretch. I thought they did a nice job. If it wasn't for the defense, if the defense played a level down, then the Raiders had no chance to win those four last games, let alone split and win two out of four. So I was I was excited about the defense. I enjoyed watching the defense this year. I mean, the game, the game against Miami, the game against Cincinnati, and especially the last four minutes against the Chargers. Remember when Justin Herbert came in and went for it on all those fourth downs? And they went on that streak at the end. I mean, the Raiders won that game. I went on the post game with Eric Allen. I was like, what the hell was that? I mean, what was that? I mean, uh, Justin Herbert just dissected them. And everybody knew he was thrown in the end zone. And the Raiders couldn't even get a hand on the ball, let alone intercept it. So, but in general, the Raider defense, 10-win team, got to the playoffs. And I thought that the defense was fantastic in big spots. So it seems like there's going to be big changes with coaching, maybe a defensive coaching philosophy, maybe to the 3-4, which I don't think benefits Max. I like Max in a 4-3. But if the coaches want to get two new linebackers and think that Max and Yannick or whoever they go out and get, I heard this morning on the radio, well, what about Khalil Mack coming back? Stir the pot on that. Whatever it's going to be, let's just watch it play out. Let the coaches do their job. Let Dave Ziegler bring in the players. Let him go shopping for the groceries, and then we'll figure out what the scheme's going to be. And we're all behind the Raiders, right? Flagship station, Raider fans listening. Most of the population who aren't Raider fans hate the Raiders, want the Raiders to fail. So really, that's the point of this and what I set up every day on the beachhead to try to protect the fort behind me of the Raider Nation because all there are people doing is just slinging arrows and saying that, oh, my God, you don't want Josh McDaniels. Oh, my God, you don't want to get rid of Gus. Everybody now is getting worked up. Everybody doesn't like change. Ten-win team, change, oh, could that be good or bad? I've said this from all the years I've been working here, all the new coaches coming in. They're all the same. They're their own guys. They got the job to bring about positive change. At times it works. At other times it doesn't. The patience is very important. A first-year head coach with a new team or Josh McDaniels a second time as a head coach, you got to give him the ability and give him the benefit of the doubt. That's why he got the job. you got to count on Dave Ziegler, the new GM, to go out and get the players that you believe are going to fit the system and the new coaches. And that's hard. That's hard to do because a lot of fans don't like change. Uh, but a lot of fans that I talk to want to go to the Super Bowl every day. We're going to the Super Bowl, JT. We're a Super Bowl team. No, you're not. You're not a Super Bowl team. You got beat twice by the team that's playing in the Super Bowl. That's the only connection the Raiders have to the Super Bowl is that they've been beat twice by the Cincinnati Bengals. They should have beat them the second time. And we've seen the Bengals go from two wins quickly to the Super Bowl. That's ideally what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels want to do. Take a 10-win team and in two years, maybe three, it could happen next year, but let's be realistic. In two to three years, have the team in the Super Bowl. That's the goal. And I think that's a really important goal because around here, around these parts, as they say in the Westerns, around these parts, this is about Super Bowl run now. Already got to the playoffs, need to win a playoff game, need to do what Joe Burrow's doing. Take a two-win team and get to the Super Bowl. 702-365-9200. So, as you know, I'm fascinated by the Brian Flores story. It's a really big story 
that is just eating alive the NFL this week, heading into the Super Bowl. And the story's not going away because Brian Flores had the courage to speak up. He believes that these racial decisions made around him, he's basing it on race, he's a black coach, has destroyed his career. And he's a man who's very prideful uh, with the Patriot way. And then he went to the Dolphins and allegedly the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, who voted against the Raider move to Vegas. The only man, thanks to the AFL godfather for telling me, the only man reminding me, because I knew it, voted against the Raiders in relocation to Vegas. So did Stephen Ross tell Brian Flores that he, as owner, wanted to lose wanted to lose, and he would reward him with $100,000 for every extra loss so that they could get better draft picks and be better long-term. If he did that over the last two nights, we've been saying this, he must be removed from the league. The league must take him out quickly. The partners and the owners have to look at Stephen Ross and not protect him. They have to say you're out because it's conduct detrimental to the league. It's an integrity issue. It's not a guy texting and sexting. It's not a guy drinking and driving. All bad. All bad. Moral police are out. The Twitter police are everywhere. But this is a guy who could, the the fans could lose confidence in the sport because of gambling. This all goes back to gambling. I feel like I'm the only one who sees this. All goes to gambling with Stephen Ross. The NFL finally is in bed with BetMGM, Caesars Sportsbook, FanDuel, DraftKings, all of these bookmakers that they're in business with if it turns out that one of the owners is trying to lose on purpose it blows the whole thing up so that's that side and Stephen Ross last night came out with a statement which was crafted total denial total denial really upset that a former disgruntled employee would say that about him and then you have Brian Flores who to me one person told me not for radio Off the record with his name, he goes, this is a radical move by him. I say, why is it radical? He said, because he put Belichick's private text messages up on a screen for everybody to see on CBS television. You don't do that. Even even if you have a lawsuit, even if you want to win over the public with this lawsuit, the last thing you do is take private text messages of the greatest coach of all time and put them up on a screen. That's inappropriate. You, you have your lawsuit and you use that all evidence on the side and you put that into discovery, but you don't go sit down with Gail King and Nate Burleson and all of a sudden Bill Belichick's in his office going, what the hell is this? I'm Bill Belichick. My text messages are up on television? He doesn't want that. So that was a radical move by Flores, but he felt desperate enough and the word humiliated. A black man, a black man in a society now where the NFL is having real big trouble with the Rooney rule. There's only one black coach in Mike Tomlin. The black coach in Brian Flores feels personally humiliated, so now he has a lawsuit against the league. It's a big story. So someone's lying, as I tweeted last night. Somebody's lying. You know, if you've got kids out there and you're a parent, you, know, you all have that moment with your kids or one of your kids where they're lying about something, and then you know the other side, and you say, look, someone's lying. It better not be you. If it is, come clean now. We've all had that discussion with our kids. That's what's going on here. Either the owner of the Dolphins is lying or the head coach, Brian Flores, who's trying to save his career, is lying. I find it hard to believe that Brian Flores, who's a hell of a coach, would lie about any of this. Why would he? 
what's the agenda? He was going to get a head coaching job anyway. He could have been the head. He could have been the defensive coordinator of the Raiders in Vegas for one year. Could have parked himself in Vegas for one year with his friends, Josh McDaniel and Dave Ziegler, and then the following cycle would have been a head coach. We're trying to figure out, and you can help me with this. Why is Brian Flores going scorched earth while he's in the interview process? And the only thing I could come up with, everybody, is he's doing it because he's humiliated. He's so embarrassed for his family and his life and what he built that he's on the defensive now because he cannot believe that this could happen. Bobby, play 42 here on the humiliation soundbite on the sham interview with the Giants. Everything that went on with Miami, he could have lived with. Stephen Ross is a bad guy. He's going to kind of go after him. But when the Giants brought him in for a sham interview, that's what put this over the top. It was a range of emotions, humiliation, uh, disbelief, um, anger. And I've worked so hard to get to, to where I am from a, uh, in football to become a head coach. Put 18 years in, in this league, and it was uh, to go on at what was going to be a, what, what felt like or what was a sham interview. I was, uh, I was hurt. Does everybody understand what he said about being humiliated in the sham interview? Can you compare it in your life? Do you have something like that similar in your life where you can understand that? A lot of people don't. I don't really. But if I worked my whole life to get on radio as a stockbroker, I got into this business, I busted my ass for 25 years to get to a place which I believe is where I want to be now. And if someone else tried to take that away from me and humiliated me and it wasn't true, you better believe by knowing me, I'd be fighting to clear my name. And I'd take out anybody if they were lying about me. That's really what he just said. He said, what's going on here? I'm coaching. I turned down an opportunity to cheat and lose games on purpose for more money. I'm doing everything right. I won games. I went on a big winning streak. I'm a winning coach and I'm fired. And I don't have another job lined up. And the Giants are bringing me in for some sham interview. Oh, and the big one. Ready for this? Drum roll. And I'm black. I'm African-American. And in the end zones, it says, end racism. On the back of the helmets, it says, stop hate and racism. And we got one of the only black coaches, and he's dealing with that now? It's alarming to me that this could be happening. And it's not happening here in Vegas. It's happening in Miami and New York. And then how about the Denver thing? So I, I just told you that. You don't put Bill Belichick text messages out in public so TMZ can put it out there. How about Brian Flores and the accusations that John Elway showed up to a meeting with him hungover? So John Elway now went on the offensive today in a big way because you're not going to do that to John Elway. And John Elway doesn't want his reputation to be knocked down into the dirt. And he was traveling overnight to get to Boston, New England to interview him. And Flores basically said, yeah, you know, when I was in the hunt for a job, Elway came in and he looked disheveled. You don't say that. John Elway's in the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame. He's the guy that did the Peyton Manning deal. Ian Rappaport reported on that earlier today from the Elway camp. The circumstances surrounding the Brian Flores interview with the Denver Broncos, the interview team, uh, John Elway, of course, leading it, had been in Denver interviewing Mike Munchak. And I believe Elway and Munchak went out to dinner late. Flew to Providence late, uh, got there, I believe, like 2 in the morning, and then the only window the Patriots opened it up was real, real early. I don't know what John Elway was doing. He, I have no idea. He has, of course, denied 
every allegation. I just know the travel schedule. If he was looking disheveled, the travel schedule may also uh, potentially be a reason why. But it is noteworthy, Mike, how personal Elway takes this. From what I understand, he was livid, upset, frustrated, hurt. He put out a statement himself, not through the Broncos. Uh, this is, you know, this is something he takes very seriously. Again, has denied the allegations and I think is extremely, extremely stung by them for a candidate that he liked a lot several years ago. Man, that's really interesting. So Bill Belichick has his text messages up on CBS this morning. John Elway feels personally upset that he likes Brian Flores and he would, he would say this about him. And then the owner of the Dolphins, a multi-billionaire, Brian Flores is accusing him of an integrity issue. I mean, this guy, Brian Flores, got brass balls. I mean, he is going scorched earth. So we're trying to figure out why. And we, we, this is, we have enough information now. We have more sound. Here's Flores about the Rooney rule, which he now believes he's going to help that rule long term because the foundation of this rule is not correct. The Rooney rule is in, intended to give minorities an opportunity to sit down in front of uh, ownership. But I think what it's turned into is an instance where guys are just checking the box. And that's been the case. I've been on some interviews in the past that, um, where that's, I've had that feeling. There's you know, always no way to, to, to know for sure, but, but you know. That's tough. That's tough to hear from anyone. But it's really hard to hear from a black coach after we know about the issues and what minorities have had to fight through since Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, Henry Aaron, Jesse Owens, black coaches. I mean, we all know this. We know the history of sports. It's 2022, and some NFL teams don't know how to conduct African-American or minority interviews. Like, they still are confused. How is that possible? That's not a problem with the Raiders. The Raiders were built on the vision of the great Al Davis. This should not be called the Rooney rule. It should be the Al Davis rule. And I'm happy it's not the Al Davis rule because the league is screwing it up. And we wouldn't want Mr. Davis's name on something that the league is screwing up. It's pretty simple. If you have a really good African-American candidate, you interview them early in the process. And if the interview is good, you hire them. If you interview them first or second and then have 11 more interviews, okay. But don't bring in the black candidate on the 11th interview or the 9th interview or the 5th interview if you know the second guy that you interviewed is going to be the guy that you're hiring. Everybody understand that? Well, obviously there's some billionaires who don't understand that in the year 2022. I find that very alarming. They set the rule up, the Rooney rule, to make sure that this is handled correctly and they can't handle it correctly. Incredible to me. Fortunately, Raider Nation... You don't have to worry about that when it comes to Mark Davis. I know what Mark Davis thinks about the issues of inclusion and how he treats everybody, and it was because of the way he was raised from his mother and father, the way I've been raised from my mother and father. Certain people, when you're raised that way, you don't have to sit around and guess through these racial issues. You just try to do the right thing all the time. So it's a big topic in sports. You know, I, I don't like speculating about coaches who are going to get fired or not until they get fired or not. But I know you do on the radio and you have opinions, and I'm just a portal for you to call in and sound off like you got a pair. 
That's the monologue brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Head on over and see what they're doing at Arizona Charlie's. Yes, they're running TV commercials because I got them covered on the radio. All the modern upgrades they've made, the food, the dining, and the way to watch sports for locals in town. Head on out to Arizona Charlie's. Let's get out to the phones. Fade to black in San Francisco. Start us off. Hey, JT, thanks for taking my call, and shout-out to Bobby, doing a great job in his sweet East Coast accent. Uh, in terms of speculating on the new Raiders uh, coaching staff, for defensive coordinator Josh Boyer from Miami, I think that's where they're going to go. Again, speculative, mm-hmm. speculative but uh, Josh Boyer out of Miami, I feel like be a solid hire, ex-Patriot, knows Josh McDaniels real well. And the special teams, I think it's Joe Judge coming from New York, a longtime Patriot. He was going to uh, go to the Colts with McDaniels before they pulled out. So mm-hmm. Joe Judge, I think, is definitely going to be a special teams coach, Josh Boyer, defensive coordinator. And then you got Josh McDaniels running the offense. I think that's a solid staff. I'm pretty sure that's the way they're going to go. A lot of Patriot connections there. But it's something that I could get excited about. All right. Now, as for the Brian Flores lawsuit and how it uh, pertains to the Raiders, there was a, a longtime coach, ex-L.A. Raider, good friend of Al Davis, interviewed with him many times over the years. He's African-American coach. He interviewed for head coaching positions around the league probably like 50 times in his career. The only difference between him and Brian Flores is Brian Flores became a head coach. This guy never was a head coach, never got the job. He's an ex-Raider, longtime Packers defensive coach named Winston Moss. Yep. He was Winston. good friends with Al Davis, interviewed plenty of times. I'd love to see Winston Moss pile on with the Flores lawsuit or give a deposition because I guarantee he has a lot more dirt on the league than uh, Brian Flores does. And if there's ever been a victim of the Rooney rule, it is Winston Moss because he was never a head coach. Uh, Brian Flores got the job. Whereas Winston Moss never did. Uh, if y'all okay. could have him on the show, if he's a friend of yours, you know, I'd love to hear his words and his thoughts. And, again, shout out to Bobby. Appreciate the call. Uh, first off, Joe Judge, you're right about that. As critical as I was at the end on how he handled the media, I thought he lost his job, really do. He lost his job because of the way he handled the press conferences down the stretch. It was really tough to watch. But is Joe Judge more than qualified to be a special teams coach in this league? Or Vegas, absolutely, no doubt about it. And the Raiders had a damn good coach in Rich Passaccia who specialized in special teams. And we wish, uh, wish Coach Rich really well in whatever he ends up doing next. Uh, anybody involved with issues and not getting hired way back in the day, that's not going to matter now. It's all in the past. It matters now is Brian Flores. Flores is the guy who's going to move this needle going forward. Either he's going to make a big, big stink about this, continue to do it, and win – and beat the NFL, or the NFL is going to find a way with their owner, Stephen Ross, and the Giants and the sham interview, and they're going to just be able to push back and, I don't know, maybe just continue to t- to push doubt in front of all the NFL fans and other owners that this didn't happen. That's why this is a lawsuit. That's why the attorneys get involved. Attorneys get involved, and they go behind doors, and they try to figure out who was in the wrong. I don't believe that Brian Flores is doing this to get paid and go away, and I'm 100% positive that John Gruden is fighting the league and he's not doing it for money. Because they'd write a check right now for John Gruden to go away, and it'd be a bigger check than he got to coach the Raiders. It'd be a massive check. He's into it to clear his name and to set the record straight in his opinion and what he thinks happened here and his entire body of work of his whole life. So the NFL has got a couple of stories that are very important 
and they are not going to be they are not going to be settled by tomorrow or the week of the Super Bowl. I will tell you this, my phone's blowing up about everything, all the guests we're going to have on from Super Bowl. I'm going to try to, if I can, make it, or I know Q will. Someone here, Vinny Bonsignor, will get to Roger Goodell's State of the Union press conference at the Super Bowl because it's going to be a beauty. I've been to them in the past. They're really cool. My two favorite press conferences are the halftime show because right next to you, the Who Walks By, Paul McCartney, Madonna, Prince, whoever, they do a real press conference. So this will be Dr. Dre, Eminem, probably Mary Kay Blige. They're all going to be there, or most of them will be there, Snoop, to talk about halftime. They take questions. But Roger Goodell's press conference is the entire league and the local media. And I remember going to the press conference when the Raiders were looking to relocate from Oakland over those years. And you would look, and there'd be Bay Area media asking Goodell that question. Then he'd turn his head, and Charger media was asking questions. And Ram media is asking questions about the relocation. It gets wild. And Goodell's going to have to get, and he's pretty good at it, he's going to have to go in and be prepared for this one on Brian Flores and what's happening with the Rooney Rule. All right, your phone calls are ready to go. we got a couple of guests, including my friend Steph McKenzie. The great rock jock on 97 won the point. She's Raider Nation, diehard. She wants to talk about what's going on, so we'll put her on the radio. And a little bit later on, we'll have a legal expert to jump on in and get into the conversation on Flores. Let's hear from you today. It's Raider Nation Radio. So last week, I interviewed for the Giants position. I was set to interview on Thursday, the, the Monday prior. Uh, before, before I interviewed, I received a text message uh, from Bill Belichick saying congratulations on the Giants, basically, essentially congratulations on the Giants job. There was a little bit of back and forth. I have not sat down with the Giants. There was some back and forth, and I, I just uh, I asked him, Is this, are you talking to the right Brian? As you, you've seen him through the text messages, he was actually thought he was texting Brian Dayball. So that's Brian Flores talking about Bill Belichick's text messages. And that's embarrassing to Bill Belichick. He's the GOAT. So if you're a coach and you're sitting there and you're trying to put your legal plan together, this tells you a lot. And maybe an attorney out there would want to jump in on that. I think that the attorneys for Brian Flores pretty much said, look, we got this case. We believe you. We have enough to go after Stephen Ross in the NFL. But you got to give us something. And then they went through everything, and then the attorney said, well, explain to us about these text messages, because the attorneys on CBS this morning said once they knew that their client, Brian Flores, was going into that sham interview, they contacted CBS. So when Flores walked into that interview with the Giants, he was loaded up. He knew it was a sham interview because of the Belichick text messages, So his attorneys knew that, and they wanted him to go forward with the interview because that was going to be a part of what their case is going to be against the Giants. So I've I've been the first to say this, and I'm going to own this. I believe that the Giants are going to lose a high first-round draft pick at the Bellagio Lake Lake, in Las Vegas on the Strip. I think Giants are coming in with a lot of draft picks, high ones. I think one of those will be taken away by the NFL. That's my early prediction, and it's an early prediction because the draft's right around the corner. You know, the draft is in, in September, October, where they have time for this. they got to do this pretty soon. I think the Giants are going to get hit with a draft pick, and then Miami, Miami might be able to walk away clean on this whole thing if Stephen Ross just denies it. 
If he just says, look, I'm a billionaire. This didn't happen. He's lying. There's no evidence. You're not bringing me down for anything. And then Stephen Ross won't get in trouble, and he won't lose a draft pick. But the Giants, the Giants knew they were bringing him in for a sham interview. I think that's a developing story. Nat in Henderson, you're up next. Thanks for calling, Nat. Nat, appreciate it. What up, JT? Appreciate you taking my call, my friend. So I first want to talk about the Raiders. I am so excited about what Mark Davis is doing. I, I like the direction that the Raiders are going in. And this this whole new change, I mean, I remember when my wife and I first moved here from from Orange County, i never forget the first day we got out of the truck, it was 115 degrees. And she looked at me and said, you know, you know how wives are. They blame you for moving when it's 115 degrees outside. Yeah, of course. So it took us three or four years to get used to this weather, but mm-hmm. we're so happy we're here now. That being said, I just want to bring up this Brian Flores situation. And I'm an African-American plus 60 years old. Okay. And I, I can tell you why he's scorching the earth on this. Because after a while, and I've been down this road myself, you just get so fed up with these, 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 these situations that you're faced with, and you just try to, you try to put it behind you. You don't want to mm-hmm. think about it. So you keep moving forward. You move forward. Another incident happened. You move forward. I think this guy has said, I'm just going to blow this whole thing up. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because... He, he, I mean, after a while, and I'm one of these people, it just weighs you down. And then you decide, you know what? I don't have any other recourse but to drop paper. And that's one of my favorite sayings now. So when I'm faced with that sort of thing here, I, 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 I'm respectful. I'll just go and drop paper. And I'm talking about getting an attorney. I'm in, I'm, that's happening to me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm in a situation right now, I'm not going to bring up names, but I had a situation with a casino that's well-known here, and the guy didn't want to serve me. And then, <laughs> well, well, it, it's, it's comical now, but it wasn't when it started. Mm-hmm. And then when I complained to the managers, the first thing out of their mouth was, well, do you want some free food or, or some free drinks? I said, no, this guy didn't want to serve me, and you want to offer me free food and drinks? So I said, okay, not a problem. I decided to take it a step further. Okay. And to end this conversation, I won this case. Okay. So I think I think with Brian Flores, I think, like, you know, I'm sure there are other people listening to this show who have been down this path. After a while, you just say to yourself, I just can't take this no more. So... I'm just going to take the legal route, and we'll just see where this goes. I agree. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you jumping in. Uh, This is what I've been saying when I talked about him being humiliated and getting to the point where he believed there was no other place to go than to get an attorney and to fight for his reputation. It's a shame that Brian Flores is in this position where he feels that he has to do this. He felt like he had to do this because he didn't feel like there was another way to fix it. And that's why there are so many attorneys out there. Because if you get to the point, as the caller said, drop paper, you just get to the point where you don't feel like you can fix it on your own, right? You think you can fix something on your own and then you can't. And then your last recourse is to hire an attorney. Then the attorney hopefully does the right thing. They look at your argument and say, yeah, we can win this. 
retain me, and I'll take it from here. And that's what Brian Flores did yesterday. Just went on all the talk shows with his attorneys. They went on the offensive, and now the NFL says it's without merit. I mean, I'll, I'll get to it later, but it's too long to read. John Elway's statement about being disheveled. John Elway just went on the defensive. So who do we have here? And let's try to figure this out all together. Who do we have here who's, who's, who has a problem waiting for them? We have the NFL. We have Stephen Ross, a billionaire. We have the, the Mara and Tish family who own the Giants. We have Brian Dayball, who's the new head coach of the Giants. And a lot of Giant fans are going to think that it's a scam because they wanted Flores and it was a sham interview. And then we have John Elway, Hall of Famer, sitting back in Denver going, people are wondering if I'm hungover. How dare you? I'm John Elway. I'm John Elway. You don't like the way my hair is combed? You don't like my, the, the way I'm, I'm sitting in my chair and yet you're claiming I'm hungover? And that's what Brian Flores did. He says, you're all, you're all a part of this. Let's go. Let's go fight me. Let's get in the back alley. He's from Brownsville, Brooklyn. Let's fight. He's a proud man. He proved that yesterday. I just don't know what's accurate or not. That's, that's what we're doing here. We're talking to experts. We have a legal expert uh, coming up here at the top of the hour right after that, and we'll talk to him about it. 702-365-9200. One more soundbite from Brian Flores on the integrity issue. Imagine someone telling you to get your team to not perform well so there could be a financial payoff down the road. You make claims that you were offered $100,000 for each game this team lose subsequently uh, to get a better draft pick. Yeah, uh, look, this game's done a lot for me. I grew up not far from here in the projects in, in, in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Didn't grow up with a lot. And this game, you know, changed my life. So to attack the integrity of the game, that's, that's what I felt was happening in that instance. And um, I wouldn't stand for it. And that was Dolphins owner Stephen Ross. Yes, yes. And you think it hurt your career? I, 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 think, it, I think it hurt my standing with, with, within the organization and ultimately was the reason why I was let go. Yeah, he believes the reason the owner didn't like him is the owner asked him to cheat, and he said no. And then the owner said, every day coming to work, I hate this coach. Even though he's winning games for me, let's, let's get rid of him. That's why he's sitting there with the suit on, talking with his attorneys to television anchors. That's, that's where we're at. So I hope you're getting up to date with this show on exactly what's happening because this is a topic you're going to be having at a barbecue, at a bar. If you're watching the Pro Bowl, everybody's talking about this. Uh, the last caller who talked about 115 degrees living here, just a quick story. You know, I grew up in New York. I went to college in upstate New York. It was always cold and gray. So me and my best friend, we decided we were going to move. We just couldn't do it. We had good lives in New York. We love our family, all of our friends. And we got in a van. We moved to San Diego. And we've been living in the sun ever since. I'm in Vegas. He's in Encinitas, California. Best friends in, you know, in my wedding. And because of the weather. That's it. It's that simple. So when it gets to 115 here, people always ask me. I tell them the same thing. Okay, 85 feels like 70. 95 feels like 85. 105 feels like 90. Anything over 107, 108 feels like it's 107, 108. And when we get to 115 out here, you got to get out of here. And my wife laughs at me because every year I live out of a planner and I'm always trying to plan. We've got a couple of radio shows, the Raider work. And I tell her, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to be here in the summer. We're at a stage in our life. Our kids are in college. Let's get out of here. I can do the show near the beach. We can do so. We cannot be here. And then she reminds me of the dog. And the kids are home. 
and we don't want to leave the kids the house. But we don't. So I'm always I'm always here. So I embrace the 115. I get in the pool. I drink my bucket of Modellos. I hang out. The air conditioning. I don't know what it cost for air conditioning because I don't see the bill. And then you just fight through it. But if that's the biggest problem, that the sun is out, it's ripping every day, it's gorgeous, it's just fantastic, but it's a little too hot. And that's why I'm always commending the people that work on the roads, the police officers, people working outside. It's brutal. But for everybody else who's living through it, I don't think it's that bad. (laughs) I don't think it's that bad. Other people think it's terrible. Passionate Raiders in Illinois, where my mother-in-law and father-in-law are today, trying to Dig out of the snow. How much snow you got? Yeah, we didn't get too much, JT. Thanks for taking my call. But it is only about 11, 12 degrees here. So you're talking about 115. About eight years ago was my first time ever coming to Vegas. And when I got in, it was in the middle of July. And when I stepped out of the airport, I literally felt like someone put a bag over my head. It was just like the dryness from being here to there. was It it was a night and day difference. But um, you asked a question earlier about the defense man you know and i'm really liking you know i'm just i'm just so happy that we're finally making steps that are going to benefit us in the future there aren't punching yourself in the head wondering what the heck what are they doing what is this about so you know and hearing about this defense and and, and getting the the guy from chicago the chip kelly guy and and, and, you know and then if i like this bears defensive coordinator and man if there's any way possible jt man if we could Mm -hmm. get dc and Cleo Mack back together and make a Super Bowl run with those two drafted together. Tell me that just would be the perfect Raiders scenario, man. So I'm hoping to see maybe we can get a Keem Hicks. If we can get a Keem Hicks over here, the the middle, the guy in the middle, uh, and hopefully get that Jesse, that Jackson cornerback from the Patriots. And I also seen something about their outside linebacker. You know, mm-hmm. we pull a couple of those players over here and put them in silver and black, man. You know, it, it's nothing to do about Patriot West. I'm so sick of hearing that, man. This is Raider Nation. Yep. We didn't go Jacks to come with us. He wanted to come over here because he knows, like I told you before, we got the best of the best facilities right now. Who would want to come over here and play? So, you know what, JT? I know the sky, the future is bright, the sky is mm-hmm. high, and we're coming for that Super Bowl, JT. Um, 2024-25 season, that's us right there. Next year, I know we're going to take the division. I'm not scared of Cottonhead Mahomes. He's already been proven. All you got to do is lay him down. Mad Max, Cleo Max, I'll handle that business, JT. We're coming. I know it, yeah, JT. We appreciate have it. You don't, have to, you don't have to call Patrick Mahomes names. You don't have to call him names. You don't need to do that. We don't have to call. We can call Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. Whatever they do, Khalil Mack's one of my favorite players. All time in the Raiders. I was there the day he walked in with his backpack onto the field in Napa. One of the first guys I met that year at training camp. We kept in touch. Saw him in London when I was on the sidelines. I love Khalil Mack. What a great, great human being he is. And if there's value and the price is right, I would think he'd always be available. Every team would like him. We're talking about potential changes to the Raider defense and what you'd like to see compared to this past season where I thought they did a really nice job. As we're brought to you by Modelo with the fighting spirit. Modelo, the beer that I drink. No coach takes a job to lose, and I think people understand that. You take jobs to win, your contract says win, so you don't get paid for losing. 
And then here I am after being one in 31, I'm kept the third year and given a contract extension that nobody knew. So that should tell everybody something right there. Why do you keep a coach who's one in 31 when your track record has been to get rid of coaches? That's Hugh Jackson. And why would Hugh Jackson be saying that now? Well, he's saying it now because Brian Flores is in the news and he didn't want to do it and he got paid a lot of money on a really bad team. Another example of taking a job with a bad team and what it could do for your career the rest of the way in the NFL. And now Hugh's talking because of Brian Flores and his story needs to be heard too. JT, welcome back. We appreciate you listening. Brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, your new game day whiskey. Any bourbon that Charles Woodson drinks is a great bourbon whiskey. If Charles is having it and he's working and he's grinding and he's all over the country, Charles Woodson is, building this brand off his tremendous Hall of Fame legacy, get behind our guy, Charles Woodson, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. I have a few bottles in my house. When people come over, I pour it for them. They love it. They say, where is this from? I say, it's from Charles Woodson. It's from everywhere, from Ann Arbor to Green Bay to Oakland to L.A., Canton, Ohio, wherever it is. If you're drinking a whiskey, drink a Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. 702-365-9200 as we continue. John Elway responds to false and defamatory claims by Brian Flores. Man, this is a nightmare for Elway. He starts off by saying, while I was not planning to respond publicly to the false and defamatory claims by Brian Flores, I could not be silent any longer with my character, integrity, and professionalism being attacked. He said that in a statement issued today. I took Coach Flores very seriously as a candidate for our head coaching position in 2019 and enjoyed our three-and-a-half-hour interview with him along with the rest of our group. I was prepared, ready, and fully engaged during the entire interview as Brian shared his experience and vision for our team. It's unfortunate and shocking to learn for the first time this week that Brian felt differently about our interview with him. For Brian to make an assumption about my appearance and state of mind early that morning was subjective, hurtful, and just plain wrong. If I appeared, quote, disheveled, as he claimed, it was because we had flown in during the middle of the night immediately following another interview in Denver, and we were going on a few hours sleep to meet in that only window provided to us. I interviewed Brian in good faith, giving him the same consideration and opportunity as every other candidate for our head coaching position in 2019. So that comes from John Elway. So Brian Flores poked the bear. John Elway is a lot bigger than Brian Flores in the history of the NFL. But Brian Flores now is a very important topic because of what he wants to do going forward to gain his reputation back. Why did Brian Flores have to include John Elway, assuming that he was hungover when he didn't know that to be accurate or not? He did it because his attorneys, in my opinion, told him to do it. His attorney said, the only way we're going to beat the NFL is we got to come in with both barrels blazing. And that's what they're doing. What a story. Story gets bigger every day. 702 365 9200. Steph McKenzie next to lighten it up. And then we'll talk to a legal analyst at the bottom of the hour. Busy show today on the flagship of the Raiders.